With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Today, a special guest, former Washington tight end Chris Cooley. We dissect Saturday's matchup against Tampa Bay, what he's seen from Alex Smith, what it's like to watch this from afar, and how can Washington handle Tampa Bay's blitz, and more. Before I get started, don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about how Ron Rivera's cancer battle and Alex Smith's recovery have helped galvanize this team. And I'll have another story up Friday about the pass rush's task to get to Tom Brady. Also, a couple thoughts here. On Chase Young and the supposed bulletin board material about Tom Brady, if you have been around Young for more than a minute, you know where his comment of, I want Tom Brady, which he said after the Eagles game, where that stems from. I haven't met many players who seem to love to play as much as Young does. Ron Rivera told us a story about Young that kind of sums it up. Before the Steelers game, Young was hyped to face Ben Roethlisberger. He kept telling Rivera on the sidelines about this and like, there's Ben, there's Ben. He's like, he wants to get to him, wants to get to him. And and the next thing Rivera knows, Young is out on the field pregame introducing himself to Roethlisberger. Young has made it clear he loves playing, he respects his elders, and he wants to win. It makes for a unique package. And that's where I think where that comment came from. I don't think it was, it certainly wasn't malicious. He's not bashing Brady. He's simply saying, this guy, and he even said, this guy's the GOAT. I want to sack him. Why the hell wouldn't he? Anyway, when players are in the NFL, you take for granted that they must love playing. Not all do. To be honest, I'm not sold that Dwayne Haskins does or did. But young, there is no doubt. Sean Taylor was like that too. Guys like that, they just enjoy practicing because they're on the field. Alex Smith is like that. Terry McLaurin. I think this team has done a better job of finding players like this, and it matters. That's why I always say it's not just about talent. Now, if you have talent and the love of the game, you get Chase Young. I would start Alex Smith Saturday and not think twice about it. Rivera is someone who's huge on trust. It's why he surrounded himself with so many of his former Panther assistants and placed a few in the scouting department. If you're Rivera, you see a guy who started 167 games and seven in the postseason versus a guy in Taylor Heineke with one career NFL start and one game played in two years. I mean, it's not a hard call. Those who only see the mobility as the reason why to start Heineke kind of missed the point. Blitzes hurt mobile quarterbacks too. Now, the pressure could be bad. Um, it, it, we, we know that. And yes, at times it could help. But it's not, it's not the way that you're going to have to beat this blitz. As Scott Turner said, and Cooley and I will talk about that, and he kind of goes a little bit in a different way, which is fine. He knows more than I do. But as Scott Turner said Wednesday, the key is being able to win quick and to get the ball out quick. Now, that's something that Heineke, I think his ability to read defenses right away, that's good, and it's a strength of his. 
but but Alex Smith has seen anything, everything that a defense can throw at you. So his ability to read and get it out quicker is obviously going to be a lot greater. Now, Smith's problem against the Eagles is about having too much pressure to escape. At times I felt he maybe waited too long and then lacks the suddenness to be able to do that. I did see him at times get away from some pressure, but it was when he initially saw that it was going to be a jailbreak and was able to roll out to his right and throw the ball away. This also means the receivers must win early, and that's where I have some concern. Also, Rivera talked about how much confidence the players get from having Smith on the field and how calm they are because they know he'll get them in the right spots, handle the protections right, etc. Those are huge deals. Now, if he's completely ineffective, if he's just an absolute statue back there and he was not against the Eagles, he had the pressure got to him, the line wasn't good. And again, if he's ineffective, if they're losing late in the second half and they're clearly ha- they clearly have nothing going on, then you go to Heineke because then you need a spark. But there's no way you start him unless it's clear that during the week, Smith is worse off with his strained calf. Finally, Revere was asked how this season stacks up for him. It was interesting to hear how high he places this team on his list. This is his 10th year as a head coach. He called it the most different team he's had because of all they've had to overcome. I don't have to list all the issues for you that the players have dealt with from the offseason through now. It It would take too long, and I think you're well familiar with all that's happened here. Rivera said he'll always be fine with this group for that reason. It's not just the other stuff. It's, what, it's also the pandemic. They've handled it well. And while they might only be 7-9, and nine, to me it speaks to the mindset of the players that they do have in this building. That I think, again, I always say the coaches have done a good job, but the scouting staff has done a good job too over the last few years of bringing in these kind of players. I'm a firm believer that mindset is what it first takes. If you don't have that, you'll be hard-pressed to succeed or to maximize your ability. I've said along, this year was about laying the foundation for the future, and I think that's what they've done. Well, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Chris Cooley. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's almost that time when you put your name in a grid and hope that your box hits the final score. But you don't have to wait until February to start winning. With Boxes, you can play box pulls every day for every game. Boxes is completely free to play and you can win big. Washington football fans who download the app from the App Store or go to Boxes.com, that's B-O-X-I-Z.com, and use our code KIME20, can enter our contest. We'll have new games every week and incredible prizes in the playoffs and for the big game that will include tickets to games next year when fans can finally return in 2021. So go to Boxes.com for more information or download the app now. B-O-X-I-Z. Use the code KIME20 when you sign up. It's free for you and your friends to get in and win. Boxes. It's anyone's game. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Chris Cooley. Well, Chris, before we get into some of the breakdown of this, I am curious for you, what's it been like watching this season from afar? You were so involved in this organization for a long time. What's it been like? 
there's definitely a different feel from not being around it every day and not being involved. Um, there's it's it's fun for me because I can consume it and watch it more as a fan. It's nice to be able to sit at home and watch football in general. Calling games for Washington in the last seven years really doesn't give you any chance to watch football. And so now to sit home and watch the Red Zone channel or watch the four screen cut up is great because you just get to see so much more football. I have such a better feel, I think, at this point in the season for so many other teams. As far as Washington goes, it's it's been a like an interesting I still know these guys feeling, but it, the, uh, there's definitely not that love feeling for this team. It's it's just more of an intrigue situation. And what do you mean by that? I guess I I still do. It's my team. It's the team I care about. It's the team I cheer for. I still like the guys. It's just not a you, you feel like you're. A, I don't feel like I'm a part of it. I'm not a part of it. I mean, I, have, I mean in any way, there's you, you're not a part of it. And so, to me, that's the first time in my last twenty years that I felt that way about the team I'm watching. Which, which, which makes sense because you're out, you're way out West now out in, out in the mountain area. So um, what is it, what is it that when, when you've watched them throughout the year, what has stood out to you? I think the consistency of this team is something that has to stand out to anybody that's watching them. They've had a resilience about them. They've had a toughness, but they've consistently gotten better. The effort's been there, the, the work, the commitment, you just see it. They're a team that's figuring out who they are. And I think at this point in the year, time has really figured out exactly what they are as a football team and knows a lot of their weaknesses. They definitely understand their strengths. They've found ways to overcome some of the problems that they have personnel-wise, some of the problems that they have on offense, and battle. It's a team that, that's battled and been consistent throughout the year. And, then, I mean, how much of that, you when you look at a guy like Alex Smith, I mean, that's – I'm not – I think some of that resiliency has been there at times throughout the past. When you look at a guy like Alex Smith and what he's gone through, how much does that add to it, do you think? I think it adds a lot to it. And I think the big thing is the culture of doing things the right way. When you have questions about why people are doing things or what the motive is to any situation, you then start to have problems. And even early in the year before Alex, you started to have coaches talk about quarterbacks and who could play what's Dwayne really about and what what's his practice at work ethics and how is he in the building and there's just so much that surrounds the motive to why a guy should be in when everybody really knows that he shouldn't be in Alex provides consistency he's the best player at the position right now for them <laughs> I know that there's some question about his health with that in, in this week but He's given them that that consistent leadership, motivation, week in and week out. He's going to get things done the way that you've practiced and operated them. And I, I watched that happen with some of the teams that I was on where you, you saw, and not to slight anybody, but in an offense where Todd Collins all of a sudden came in and operated the way it had been coached. It, granted, he'd been in that offense for 12 years in Kansas City, he just knew it better. And at the time with Jason, I don't think any of us really understood that Todd knew it better or was going to operate better. But once he came in and did, it was so clear to see. It was so evident. So you get the right guys in the right situations. And whether whether or not Alex is it should be a starter on any other team, I don't know. But he should be the starter for this team. And it seemed to me that everything is starting to make sense for this team. 
with, with his health this week, and Ron Rivera brought up, you know, maybe having to rotate quarterbacks or, you know, there's obviously a segment of the fan base that would like to see Taylor Heineke start simply because of his mobility. What would be your response to all of that? I think that you have to consider Taylor Heineke. I've thought about this over the last couple of days. I do the podcast with Kevin Sheehan every day. We talked about it yesterday. If Alex can't operate, then there might be the potential that Heineke could come in in some first and second down situations, or you could have some rotation stuff. But that means Alex isn't operating. I actually thought about it as well as if you're winning a game and things are going well and they are operating, maybe Alex is done for the year. Maybe he's spent. How many more games are you going get, to get out of him anyway? I don't think that you play for the future in the situation. In, in that, I mean, get Heineke reps for the next playoff game. I think you do anything to win a game. It, when I really look at the situation in, in general, I'd, I'd say, how could I not go down with Alex Smith? There's just no way. He's gritted it out. He's toughed it out. He's earned every right to play every snap if he's capable of doing it. And he's made some plays while he's while he's come along this process. I also think Alex can throw the ball. I don't think this leg injury has impacted his accuracy, at least in the last game. A couple weeks ago, it surely did. But that was, I bet he was hurting bad in that, that game a couple weeks ago when he came out. I think he still has the ability, if he has a little time, to get the ball down the field. I don't think he has a lack of arm strength. And I know like one of the big concerns for people watching this is that, well, Tampa Bay likes to blitz a lot. And I think it's like half their sacks, I believe, have come off blitzes. But to me, the mo- and I've said this, it, I don't view mobility as the key to beating a blitz. And I'm just curious from your end, when you watch Tampa's blitz package and all that, and how what, what can you do to hurt that? What what does Alex Smith do well that he can still hurt that? Well, I think the mobility in the pocket and the idea that he can move hurts it a little bit and he can't move because you have to think of the spot the quarterback's going to be and where you're going to get the blitz to and how you're going to time up some of these blitzes and then what your weaknesses are. There's not a lot of weakness to blitzing Alex Smith because he can't get out of the pocket. Right. You're going to keep him in that pocket cup, and if he does break the pocket, the defensive end is going to hawk him down right now. I mean, I think that's tough. And the other thing is they've been so effective blitzing because they have two linebackers who can absolutely run. I mean, Smith and Levante David are ballers, and they're also good rushers inside. Well, they can beat it? Time is is the question, because can Alex survive long enough to get the ball down the field? Can the receivers win quick enough? Is Terry completely healthy? How do they cover McKissick? Is Logan Thomas going to separate? They can beat it in the middle of the field, but I'll be interested if Tampa does blitz and how they blitz. Because if I'm Tampa, I'm playing both of my linebackers in tight coverage on McKissick and Logan Thomas. And then I'm I'm saying you're going to beat me with Cam Sims, Steven Sims Jr., Isaiah Wright, or whoever else you want to put in at the receiver spot. Robert Foster, Danny Gold. I don't know who, who – I'm going to lose to one of your guys that I don't think I should lose to. I think that's what's going to make it tough is do they really feel like they have to blitz to get pressure? I know that they've been effective with it. Philly was effective with it last week as well. But yeah, where do they I, bring him from is going to be interesting, and what Bulls dials up is going to be be interesting. Right, and I think part of it, too, is the one thing to me when you look at Alex Smith in that situation is the ability to, if he can recognize that early and then get the ball out quick. And, like, I was watching Matt Ryan last week, and that's when he'd hurt Tampa's blitz is when he's getting the ball out quick. 
Now, if you're not doing that, it becomes a massive issue. It does become a massive issue, and there's other factors that go into it. Can your receivers win quick? And when you're Matt Ryan and you have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I think that's a concern here. Is is how do you beat it quick? And so Tampa, how do they blitz? And are you going to play some of these zone blitzes where you say, you got to beat us over the top, and that might take a second, and we're going to get there before that. But if you throw underneath – We'll be all over. And Philly set a pretty good standard of what a game plan should look like against Alex Smith in that we're not going to lose to this McKissick dink and dunk stuff underneath. We're not going to lose to let Logan Thomas catch a ball at four yards and then be able to turn it up and get three or four more. Blanketed those dudes. And they covered them hard in the flats. And and to me, that's that's – where Washington's had great success, especially in third, their third down success, is run after the catch. Tampa's speed is a bad matchup for them in that situation. And I've seen Tampa do a good job with some of their – because when they blitz, the thing with the, – one of the keys for them is they don't always – they're not sending extra guys always. They're dropping guys. So they may, they may overload a side with the pressure, and now they're dropping to the other side, so you're taking away a, an option that you thought was good off the snap, and now it's not. So I, I like how their packages are. What about on the other side? Can they – you know, I know a big deal is made of the defensive line here versus Tom Brady, and can they get to him? What do you think about what this defense can do against that? Not just Brady, but those receivers are really good. They are really good. I think that game is going to be won in determining if they can stop Tampa Bay's passing attack or not. I think they'll do a good job, even in a four-man front, stopping the run game if it's Ronald Jones or Kashawn Vaughn or or McCoy or Fournette or whoever it is. I think they'll stop the running game from Tampa Bay. The pass situation is if they can get to Brady before he can get balls out, and especially if they can get to him before he can get some of these vertical throws down the field. Receivers are exceptional, and they're going to pose a huge threat the cornerbacks. I, I've, I've loved kind of the way Darby's been playing, and I, I think I'd put Darby up against anybody. Kendall Fuller, when he's played tight, has been pretty good in coverage and has, had some, has made some plays in coverage, but he's also been really susceptible to some double moves and some deep shots over the top and out of position at times. Are you going to trust Reeves, who played a really a great game against the Philadelphia Eagles, to – have that same type of game with a quarterback like Tom Brady who's going to look him off. Like Neither Hurts or Sudfeld looked off the safety at any point in this game. They just didn't. So are you going to trust those safeties to look guys off? Can Curl match up with Gronkowski or Braid? I actually think Curl can. They're going to have to find ways to shut Tampa down early and not give Tom Brady some big-time throws. There's just so much speed. You talk about Edwins and Godwin and Brown. It, there's so much speed. It's Scotty it, Miller has it, the speed, too. Scotty Miller's become a big-time player for them. So that's going to be, to me, the biggest key to this game is can you get to Tom Brady to shut down this passing attack? What what have you thought about Chase Young's growth and development this season? I think more times than not, he's by far the best player on the football field. He has not had statistically exactly the numbers that people think of. I I don't know why. I I mean, it's not that often that even – a top 10 pick has 12 sacks in a year. And look at Montez Sweat from a year ago. But watch, I watch every game, and you watch every game, and you watch Chase Young. He's a freak on the field. He puts himself in more positions to win than I've seen a young defensive lineman ever. He is 
unbelievable with his repertoire of moves, his ability to play the run as well as play the pass, his ability to shed blocks, his ability to transition from run action pass into becoming a pass rusher, his sense of screen, his sense of things around him, his high motor. There's not enough praise for Chase Young. He's an elite player right now. And he's a guy that's going to change games, and he'll have to in the playoffs. He, he and Sweat are going to have to do it. Can, can this team, when you look at this matchup, can this team threat? How much can they threaten Tampa? Can they beat Tampa? They can absolutely threaten Tampa, which means they can beat them. It's just going to be stopping that pass attack in a big way. And then on the flip side, that offense having two or three drives where they march the ball down the field like they have in the past. I don't think they're going to get big plays over the top against Tampa. Maybe they get one, but I mean, last week, time Alex Smith threw the ball down the field over 20 yards one time, right. one throw. He's and it's hard when you're like Alex knows if I don't get rid of it, I'm going to take a sack. I can't get out of the pocket. So he's looking short more than he's looking down the field because he's trying to get rid of the football. So I don't know how much they could drive it against Tampa Bay. That's a very good defense. Right. The thing I think about is this team's found a way to battle against anybody they've played like they could they could lose to the jets this week and they can beat the buccaneers they're a really interesting team the the thing is is they'll fight their guts out against anybody they play they're physical they're tough they rally the ball um, and they know who they are on offense while it's a not even pretty when you're drunk offense they at least know that <laughs> and that's 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 a good way to describe it too. So la- last thing here, um, your analysis of both the coordinators, Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio. Start with Del Rio. I think he's done a really good job this season adjusting to people, and the second half stats on defense prove that he knows who he is. He knows he's going to wear teams down. He's made adjustments to when teams start to run the ball on him. They've went to a five-man front. They've went with five defensive linemen at times. They've varied coverage week in and week out with young a young secondary, two new safeties who have had to come into this thing. And I think he's figured out how to put guys in really good situations. He's also got guys like Bostic and Holcomb, to, especially Bostic, to play much, much better, to play more instinctual than he had early in the season. And although it's not great, he's figured out ways to get him in situations where he can win. But the adjustments by Del Rio, I think, have been very good. There's been, uh, and everyone's going to do this, but there's been some iffy calls. There's been some situations where you go, Jack, did we need to blitz here? Jack, how are we going to play this kind of thing? But for the most part, the defense is more times than not in a position to make a play or to win. And I've been impressed with that. I think Scott Turner's really feeling his way through the first year. I think he's got a good concept of how to create some conflict at the line of scrimmage, how to challenge discipline of defenses. I think he's got a decent feel for how he wants to run the football and how he wants – to continue to build with Antonio Gibson. I give him a lot of credit for that. The underneath passing stuff's been great. Finding ways to get McKissick open week in and week out has been big time. I think he's got a long way to go in terms of figuring out balance, especially in early down and distance situations. Look at last week in general, and the first drive is one of the most balanced drives I've seen with Turner. You have the little play to Sims where he gets around the edge, and you have a screen to Logan Thomas on a first down situation where he gets a pretty good gain and you stay fairly consistent with getting a couple bigger plays and early down in distances to me kind of he hasn't stayed balanced enough in 
it hasn't been able to cre- create enough bigger plays down the field. And I think that while you don't, you're not blown away by the receiving group. I think Cam Sims has got the ability to get down the field, especially with Terry being able to dictate some coverage. I think that as this season progresses, Robert Foster could surprise you as a deep threat one or two times, but they have to find a way to win early enough. And to me, it's been a lack of run balance in early down and distance situations where you have a decent run on a first and 10 and the next first and 10, you're like, okay, now we're going to go with the run action pass. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, they're still not buying it. They're still, they're still playing soft and not giving you some of those looks. So I think balance has been a big thing for Turner to try to figure out. Now, I, as I look game in and week in and week out, I think half the season Turner's done a pretty darn good job. I think the other half of the season, he'd like to go to the back to the drawing board on. And so this is a big week for him to come up with a game plan against bulls and a really tough defense. It'll be there. There's a lot of onus on Scott Turner is a first time play caller with a quarterback who can't move to figure out how to find a way around Tampa Bay. Yeah. Not, not, not an easy task. Chris, it was good catching up with you. Thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate it. Always kind. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Chris Cooley for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. And thanks to Lono Coffee for their support during a tough time for any small business. It's been five years since Washington hosted a playoff game. Enjoy it, folks. I'll talk to you Sunday morning after the game.